he says, hey, do you want to drive up two hours to this gallery in the city above us? He said, you know, I've never really done something like this with a girl before, but we have so much fun together that I want you to come with me. I say, okay, cool. So we drive up to that city that day and we had a blast. I mean, we were laughing the whole day. Um, we came back down, we spent the night together and, um, we had a wonderful time. And I remember thinking I felt more bonded to him after that. Um, so that was like a big significant shift in me where I think I actually started to warm to him even more. Cause I saw that we had this fun and it was exciting. Um, so let's say that that was a Monday, you know, we laughed all day, had a great day. Um, I wake up on Tuesday and I didn't hear anything from him. Um, you know, just nothing at all. Um, the day goes on. Um, it was still radio silence. Um, I remember thinking, wow, is he just like passed out? Um, sleeping or something. I didn't think much of it because, um, you know, for several months before then it had been so consistent. So then it reaches the end of the day, Tuesday, and I almost start to get a little worried. I'm like, is this guy okay? But I see that he had been on social media, but for the first time in however many months, he hadn't said anything to me. And, you know, the day before we had just had what I considered to be an almost pivotal turning point in our relationship. Um, and it, it just didn't make sense. You know, there's no reason, you know, I, I know I didn't do anything and I just, it was just, it was like a 180. Um, and so the night I didn't want to bother him, but then as the night went on a little bit more and I hadn't heard anything from him, you know, I reach out and I say, I was almost a little concerned. I was like, are you okay? And he just goes, yeah, I, it was almost like his demeanor completely changed. He goes, yeah, I just, it was a lot of stimulation yesterday. I needed some space, you know, sort of angry like that. And I, I think I just kind of froze and I was like, oh, okay. Are you sure? Did something happen? What did, what did I do? Are you okay? And he just you know, exhaled and just goes, look, it's going to make it worse. Um, you've just got to give me some space right now. Um, I'm depressed. I'm having depression and I can't, you can't expect much from me right now. I'm Donna Anderson, and this is True Love Fraud Stories. Everything was wonderful and suddenly, for no reason at all, everything was terrible. This was the beginning of mind-bending confusion for the woman telling this story. We'll call her Susanna. For the privacy of everyone involved, all names have been changed. Susanna is a pretty woman with dark blonde hair, now 29 years old. She grew up near a trendy, mid-sized city. Her father was a musician, and she and her brother were always around music and comedy. Her mother was a licensed psychotherapist. When she was 12, her father joined a 12-step recovery fellowship to get sober, 
and later her brother did the same. Eventually, Susanna found herself dealing with similar issues. I mean, ever since I was probably like 15, 16, I was smoking weed pretty regularly. The thing that kind of brought me to my knees was for the last two years of my using, which would essentially be 19 and 20. um, This was between the years 2013 and 2015, I had gotten into opiates. um, And, you know, the thing I noticed with that is I would take just enough to have, to feel okay. And then I would do things that other people in the world were doing. Like I'd mow the grass or I'd read. It was a strange, strange thing. Um, but nonetheless, opiates are devastating to your body. And, um, if I already had a slight predisposition to some melancholy or depression, um, it just threw gasoline on it. So I had to stop. Susanna knew that the drugs weren't working for her. She actually fantasized about being able to stop. What is so awful about addiction is to to actively know you were chained to something. And this is ironic that will play in later, but to be a slave um, to a substance like that was just really, really wearing on me. You know, I was 21 at the time. Um, I wanted to do something. I wanted to utilize this brain I had been gifted with, and um, I wanted to rejoin the human race again. And so, you know, again, culmination of circumstances plus through my dad and my brother, I knew recovery was possible. And, you know, from hanging around my brother and his friends that were in recovery spaces, I quickly saw that some of the coolest, most fun people are sober people my age, you know, because sure, we're not using substances, but these people are high sensation seekers. They're empathetic. They're cool. Um, I liked the crowd. Susanna joined a 12-step fellowship specifically for young people. The group met at 11 o'clock at night. Five years later, Susanna was still sober and still attending the meetings. In fact, she sponsored several younger women. Then, one night in early 2020, Luke showed up. I remember the first time I saw him. Um, I saw him across the room staring at me. Um, pretty intensely. And, um, you know, it's a common thing in these recovery rooms that a lot of times the majority of men in there are so sick. They're just, they kind of fawn over women. Um, and I noticed when I was sitting in this meeting, you know, I couldn't miss that he was staring at me. And so, you know, I looked back at him and we both kind of averted our eyes, um, and he was staring at me. Um, we didn't say much. Um, and I think the next time I went back to that meeting, it happened again. And I remember thinking, this man is so, it's going to sound bad, but it's part of my story. And I have to be honest. I remember thinking, man, this man is really unattractive, but for some reason, I'm curious about what it's like to be physical with him. It was strange. Um, I hadn't really had that happen before. It was like the beginnings of this dual feeling toward him. So that's how I met him. Susanna, at the time, was happy with the progress she was making in life. 
I was really good and I was very happy with where I was at. Um, you know, by this point I had a really cool one bedroom apartment in a very cool part of the city that I had earned with all of my own money. Um, I began working in fine dining restaurants when I got sober and the money was really great. Um, um, I make sure my living situation is fine and I made sure that my trajectory was going upwards. So I had gotten back into school. Um, I was working two jobs. I was working at two restaurants. I was loving it. Um, I was making good enough money and in having everything else in my life organized, I was able to do things like say, if I went on a trip with a friend, I could afford it. And I was really just loving being a young adult and especially just a young woman. It, it just kind of felt like I had my whole future ahead of me. And I was re- very happy with where I was at. Susanna was in a long distance relationship with a man who lived about an hour and a half away. They saw each other on weekends, but the distance was becoming difficult. She felt like she wasn't getting much attention from her boyfriend. In the meantime, when Susanna went to meetings, Luke kept staring at her with his blue-green eyes. One night, feeling a bit low, she decided to approach him. A lot of us, after the meeting outside, were smoking cigarettes, we're all talking. And I go up to him and I say, "Um, hey, that's a cool suit, I got the same thing. And he, without a beat, goes, you want to buy a shirt? It turned out that Luke was an artist and his creative endeavors included designing shirts. He had some in the trunk of his car, and Susanna bought one. She also added him on Facebook. Shortly after that, it was Susanna's birthday. Since they were now Facebook friends, she heard from Luke. I get a Facebook message on my birthday that says, Hey, happy birthday. Um, I see that that's what it is today. Um, What are you doing later for your birthday? Susanna was working in the restaurant that night, and she was still dating the other guy, but he wasn't around for her birthday. Luke offered to take her to his friend's music show. Susanna replied, maybe. I didn't have much interest in going to this show with this guy that I saw as sort of vanilla and immature and unlike me. Um, but so I'm at work and he messages me and I say, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go to the show. He said, how about this? I know a late night taco spot. How about, doesn't matter how late I'll come to your house afterwards. We'll go get birthday tacos. Um, here's where a little bit of my crux comes in. Um, you know, I am high sensation seeking and doing things that are sort of spur the moment or kind of um, offbeat like that are fun to me. Another thing is amongst us in recovery, especially young people, we don't really need to know each other that well before there's this culture of that we are all coming from a very similar place of woundedness and issues. So even somebody like Luke that I hadn't had a conversation with for longer than a few minutes there was sort of this atmosphere. We know mutual people. We talk openly about issues within our meetings. So I felt comfortable saying, sure, let's go ahead and get tacos. It's not an uncommon thing for fellow sober young people to do things like that. 
Um, I remember telling my coworker at the time, I said, uh, this guy wants to, you know, take me out for tacos. He's got a crush on me. I said, you know, I'm curious about my intentions because I'm kind of just doing this because I need something to do, but I think he really likes me. And I wonder if he thinks it's a date. When Susanna got off work, Luke picked her up and they went for tacos. She insisted on paying for her food, but still, they had fun and it was nice to have attention on her birthday. It endeared me to Luke because I was like, you know, this is a cute, sweet thing. Um, So we proceeded to stay at tacos for probably two hours and God, we talked about everything. You know, um, looking back, I realized I was talking more. and I think he was listening and, and, you know, I was freely offering up all the things about me. You know, I, I told him about my family, about how, you know, we were talking about our upbringings. Um, both of our parents are on the older side for people our age. Um, we talked about that. I talk about the emotions surrounding that. I was just telling him about how, you know, my childhood was great, but you know, I have some issues with my dad. He would yell when I was little sometimes. So truly all of my vulnerabilities, I'm unknowingly saying in this conversation. And with him, his affect was kind of flat. He's not very interesting. He's not very multidimensional. So I was almost entertaining myself by talking. But so anyway, it seemed we had a lot in common. After the taco restaurant, Luke wanted to stop by his studio. Susanna felt like he was trying to impress her. Then he brought Susanna to her apartment and she got out of the car. He goes, oh, we're not going to have sex? Um, and I was like, what? Ew. And I was like, no, dude, I don't do stuff like that. That's really weird. Um, and he sort of laughed it off. Um, and I remember thinking it was really juvenile and just kind of gross, you know? Um, and then he drove off, um, and then we kept up sort of a casual, um, uh, rapport since then via social media. Um, I remember after that night, he started texting me all the time. In the spring of 2020, COVID-19 upended the world. Susanna's boyfriend moved in with her, although she was soon feeling unappreciated. Luke was still texting. Susanna considered him to be just a friend. In fact, he was dating another woman from the Recovery Fellowship, a woman named Jessica. In early summer, Susanna and her boyfriend broke up. It was hard on her but she handled it in a healthy way. Susanna leaned on her support network and kept herself busy. She didn't have to work. Due to COVID, she was collecting unemployment from both of her jobs, so she had a great summer. You know, I was doing something fun all the time. It was almost like being in a movie. I was going on dates with guys. I wasn't really looking for a boyfriend, but I was curious to explore and I was doing fun things like rock climbing, riding my bike, hanging out with my brother and his friends and his wife. It was a wonderful summer and peppered throughout that was Luke. 
Despite all the fun, Susanna was lonely after breaking up with her boyfriend. So, if she had nothing else to do, she spent time with Luke. They went to fellowship meetings together. They went for tacos or donuts. Luke was always talking about girls he liked who wouldn't go out with him. He even showed Susanna pictures of them. One woman, Tori, was also an artist. Luke lamented that she wasn't interested in him. Susanna kept it platonic, but she suspected that Luke wanted more. I felt like a grown babysitter, and he was kind of the young kid I was watching that had a crush on the babysitter. I don't know why, but that's what the dynamic felt like. And I was increasingly feeling upset with myself that I felt like I was using this guy in a way. I'm like, man, this kid really, really, really likes me. And I'm just sort of using him. In September, Susanna signed another year lease on her dream apartment. Then, one day as she was heading to work, she was shocked to run into her ex. He had leased an apartment in the building next door. It's made me feel violated. It felt really weird and it shook me up. And um, I was heartbroken and anxious and I didn't feel right about it. I thought it was strange and I wasn't over this guy. I didn't want to see him. So I go into work since I was on the way and I just break down crying. And I said, oh no, I've got to solve this right away. I, I can't live next to him. Susanna decided to move and broke the lease she had just signed. Within a week, she found another cool apartment in another cool part of the city. She had until the end of the month to get out. On the last day I had to get my stuff out to move to my new apartment, um, I was stressed out because I hadn't gotten as much done as I thought I needed to. And then um, I had some friends come over to help me move stuff. And, you know, I was shaken up. I was upset about the whole situation that I had to move. And a friend of mine, she comes in and she goes, oh, my gosh, Susanna, about my old apartment that I'm having to move out of. She goes, this apartment is awesome. How much do you pay for it? And I remember telling her, I was like, yeah, let's not talk about it. I'm not happy about it to move and she just wouldn't stop she just kept doubling and she was like this apartment's like out of a movie i would hate to move out of here and i just broke down crying and right in that moment donna up until that point in my life that was the saddest most vulnerable moment of my life thus far. I had immense heartbreak. I had stress over having to move and stress over having to lose these things. And um, I just was so heartbroken. And then those friends left um, and I had a couple more things to move. And I knew that Luke, you know, he was an artist in a studio, so he makes his own hours. And I had never cried in front of Luke because I had always viewed him as, you know, sort of this little kid and that I don't care to show emotions in front of him because he couldn't do anything for me. But I gave him a call in that moment. I was crying and I said, you know, this just happened. Our, our friendship had been very light and jokey before that, but I got pretty serious. And I said, 
I, I need some help moving some chairs to my brother's house. I explained what happened. And that day is where everything changed. You know, he said, all right, I'm coming over right now. He came over to my apartment and I was just distressed. I was crying. And he goes, here, I gotcha. Um, he said, start packing up those chairs. I'm gonna take these two down to my car. Um, and I was so impressed by the time I had finished my stuff. He had had the chair strapped to the top of his car. He slapped his car and he said, come on, let's go. Let's run these to your brothers, but let's get you some coffee and food first. Um, and I was slowly softening to him. I mean, he, it felt, it kind of all added up in that moment. In this moment, he kind of rescued me and held me and carried me in this moment. And then the previous two months of me remembering like just how much he likes me, this thing sort of shifted in me where I went, you know, what if I did give the essentially the ugly guy a chance? They brought the chairs to Susanna's brother's house. Susanna's ex was insecure and weird around her older brother but Luke was totally comfortable. That was like the final thing. I go, wow. It's like all these things that my ex didn't have, here he is demonstrating it in this one day. Um, and then we go back to my house and that is when, sounds weird to say, but when I allowed us to be physical for the first time, um, just a little bit, I wouldn't, go all the way right away but then that night we had been physical for the first time and then um, he barely left my house for the next two months. Susanna had mixed feelings about her involvement with Luke. She frequently found him annoying and she usually didn't date men that she knew from recovery. But they kept hanging out and started having sex. Eventually, Luke wanted to know where he stood. I'll never forget that moment. So he goes, listen, so can we be official? Like, I want you to be my girlfriend. And I wanted to say no so badly but for some reason I remember I even like sheepishly like shrunk behind this little table and I was like okay and I didn't really want to um but at the same time I did Luke was the same age as Susanna but he'd never really been in a serious relationship before so my insight going into this was that this was his first go-round and it almost be like me teaching him a little bit like it was um he hadn't there were many things he hadn't done with a woman before you know he had never uh traveled with a woman he had never even done say like a car trip to a city upwards he didn't do all of these real life things with a girl so they started taking little trips the first was the visit to the gallery a couple of hours from where they lived. This was the trip that left Susanna totally confused about Luke's behavior. They had a blast, laughed all day long, 
And then he totally ignored her. That was the first time it had gotten a little weird. And in the days after that, he still went radio silence. Um, and I didn't know how to act because up until this point, I only know I knew how to interact with him in one way, which was how we had been interacting warm, always talking. That's all I knew. You know, this here was this kind of new person in front of me and I didn't know how to handle him. Um, I had never encountered anything like this. So I kind of did some, you know, he wasn't answering any questions for me. He wasn't providing any explanation other than that he was vaguely depressed. You know, when he and I first met, he made sure he was telling me things about how he had had suicide attempts in the back, um, in the past. He had always told me about how much he struggled with depression, you know, how awful his childhood was. My only explanation for why this shift happened was what he had told me earlier. I go, okay, this guy, struggles with his emotions. He didn't have as much love as I had growing up. He's never been in a mature relationship. You know, maybe we did increase in this intimacy and it scared him. You know, that's what I thought at first. Susanna and Luke had gotten into the habit of spending Friday evenings together. But all week long, he was unresponsive. And she didn't know if they had plans for Friday or not. Finally, Luke said he didn't feel like doing anything, but she could come over to his place and he'd make some food. It wasn't a pleasant night. You know, he had made us some crummy little spaghetti and I was like, it's just like, you know, I just feel like dropped or something. And he ended up getting angry with me and being like, look, I went to all this trouble to make this spaghetti. Um, you know, I, I told you from the jump that I have, um, depression. I'm trying my best. It's, you know, I can't take care of you. He was saying when I'm going through this. And I remember saying, you know, I'm, I'm not asking you to take care of me. I just, what am I doing wrong? And, um, I got increasingly upset. I I started crying. Um, I just felt really dysregulated. And he was so upset with me, telling me that I was, you know, making it worse. And essentially, you know, I had to get myself together. A few weeks later was Valentine's Day. Susanna told Luke that, yeah, it was a Hallmark holiday, but she was sentimental, so maybe they could spend some time together, or get candy, or she could make him a card. On Valentine's Day, Luke gave her a cup. Susanna told him that she liked it, but in truth, she was disappointed. Then, to add to her nervousness, About this time, Luke mentioned that he had a new studio mate. It was Tori, the woman he had previously wanted to date. I remember thinking, um, oh, I I feel a little jealous. I feel a little weird. Um, But I didn't really want to tell him that um, because, you know, except for that one instance of his depression flaring up, he had been so consistent with me. He had been so consistent and so 
just nice and kind and honestly pretty affectionate and loving with me that I was like, you know what, I'm going to take the chance and trust this guy. You know, I don't want to be insecure that this girl's working with him. He used to have a crush on, you know, since then our relationship and bond has grown. Um, and I remember even telling my therapist about this and we both made the decision. We're like, okay, Susanna's going to choose to trust. A few weeks later, it was Susanna's birthday and Luke made a big fuss over her ton of gifts, like a record player that I wanted, tons of candy, clothes. He did a drawing for me. We spent the night together and he was really kind. The relationship seemed to be back on track. Over the next couple of months, Susanna and Luke talked every night and spent lots of time together. In May, Luke said that he was going to a two-day art show. Would Susanna like to go? And his mother and stepfather would be there. Would she feel comfortable meeting them? I was like, yeah. You know, at, at, at this point, I, I guess my bond had strengthened with him more. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, he's never introduced. He had never been with anybody this consistently long without breaking up. And then, um, you know, to meet his parents, you know, of course. And it would be fun to support his show and all of that. And so this was like mid-May. Um, we made arrangements. We got the B&B all picked out. We got arrangements set up with his parents for later in June. Because Susanna worked in restaurants, Monday was her day off. For months, she'd been planning activities like a bike ride or a day at the river for them to do on Mondays. Right after they made their plans to go to Luke's art show, he wanted to get together on Sunday instead of Monday. But Susanna already had plans with her brother, and then she was invited to a party with co-workers. So Luke said he'd just do laundry. An hour or so passes, I get to my work party, and everyone's like, oh, bring your boyfriend. So I message him, and I say, hey, everyone says you can come. You can come here to um, this work party if you want. And he said, you know, I think I'm just going to stay in and do laundry. I said, okay, Um so something didn't feel right. Um, I didn't hear from him for several hours. In fact, I didn't hear from him until about 11 p.m. that night. And he calls me and he's in an upbeat mood. And I said, hey, what have you been doing? He said, um, oh, I've, I've been doing laundry. I said, you've been, you're always on your phone. You've been doing laundry for like five hours. He said, well, I got food with a coworker. Luke had gone to the taco restaurant with Tori, his new studio mate. She was the woman he'd previously been interested in. Susanna felt numb. She questioned her boyfriend. It was 11 p.m. What had he been doing? She said, okay, well, we got food. And then I asked her if she wanted to um, light some stuff on fire in my backyard that I had to get rid of in the studio. I said, so she came to your house. And by this point, I'm starting to shake. Something felt crazy inside of me. It, it didn't make sense. I mean, I, I almost felt like I wanted to throw up. I said, what did you guys do? He said, well, uh, the, we burned the stuff in the fire and then she left and um, uh, I left and 
then I came back home and was still bored and asked her if um, she wanted to come back over. And then what did they do? Luke said they watched TV. I said to him, I kind of started crying. I said, Luke, we just made plans to meet your parents like a few days ago. What? How would this be appropriate? Do you see how this would make me uncomfortable? He said, listen, she's got a boyfriend too, and she's about to meet her partner's uh, parents. So we were talking about how we were excited about that. I said, um, I feel like I've been cheated on. Did you do anything? Tell me right now. He said, no, absolutely not. I said, you know what? I need to get off the phone for a second and call somebody. Um, and so I called my mom and I explained what happened. I said, mom, I'm hyperventilating. I, I don't know what to think. I'm having this strong reaction. I feel like I've been cheated on and we couldn't figure it out. I said, you know, he just asked me to meet his parents. And then she goes, well, you know what? He never has been in a long-term relationship before, right? I go, yeah. She goes, so what if he's just relationship stupid? What if he truly doesn't see how that's inappropriate? And in that moment, that was the only explanation that made sense. So I call him back and I basically give him my theory. You know, I'm kind of crying and I tell him, you know, it makes me feel like this. You know, I'm sorry if I'm, you know, feeling jealous. I said, all I know is what you had told me about her. I don't see this as appropriate. You know, can you like, he said, okay, what can I do to make this better? I said, uh, I don't know. I said, could you maybe just tell me some things that you like about me? And, you know, it was all stuff that I didn't feel was that deep. You know, he goes, you were so funny. We have so much fun together. We make each other better. We, um, you know, all of this stuff. I was like, okay. Um, and, you know, so this was Sunday. And he says, so are we still hanging out tomorrow? Susanna half-heartedly agreed. And I was just so dejected, so deflated and felt so insane. And I felt like I had been cheated on big time. And I didn't understand why. And, um, you know, he was like, what can I do going forward? I said, I don't know that I'd ever feel comfortable with you doing that again. He said, you know what? He said, you mean so much to me. I see how my ignorance you know, I, I'd probably be upset too. He said, you know what? I'm going to tell her that this was inappropriate. My girl's uncomfortable with it and we should only hang out in the context with other people. I said, okay. Susanna and Luke got together on Monday as they planned. He was upbeat, but she was still dejected and wanted him to see it. We got coffee. I was still shaken up and he was very nice to me, you know? Um, and then we go back to, he kind of just wanted to gloss it over. I said, you know what? No, let's sit down and talk. And I told him, I said, you know, I feel like I've been cheated on. And he had what almost looked like a nervous smile on his face, um, which I have a different view on now. And he looked in his eyes like he wasn't, no tears were coming out. But his eyes just looked crazy, like somebody trying to act really sad and nervous. And he said, 
I was like, you know, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, this is crazy. We're just about to meet your parents. He said, I am so afraid you're going to break up with me. I said, no, I'm not going to break up with you if you don't do it again. Um, so that right there, you know, I've learned since that one theory is that for a trauma bond to happen, um, there needs to be a big instance of cognitive dissonance first. And um, if that's the case, this moment right here, Donna, is what set off the remaining year and a half. I had never, I, I had been trying to work that one moment out in my head for the entire rest of the relationship. And from this point on, little things kept adding, kept subtracting, and I was never able to settle on that conclusion from that day, looking backwards, because so many other things added up, you know, so many more little infractions. As the trip to the art show and to meet his mother and stepfather approached, both Susanna and Luke were excited. But then... When Luke picked her up to start the drive, he was sullen. I was like, you know, I don't know why he's doing this. I had in the back of my mind still, you know, is he cheating on me? But I couldn't come to a conclusion because other things canceled it out. Um, So he started off the trip in one of his moods. I didn't know if I had done it or if he was having doubts about me or stuff like that. So I just do my best to pull him out of that mood, which I ended up always doing. We had a great time. Even the sex was good. There was so much sex in the beginning of their relationship, but it had dwindled. I felt weird, like I had to ask. It made me feel dirty. Um, So we hadn't really been intimate in a few weeks but then you know we get to this trip we get to our b&b and then the entire trip it's wonderful just like tons of passion um i meet his parents um you know everybody and his family is just kind of quiet and they don't talk much so i had to lead the conversations but eventually i had everyone had a good time the trip was great luke's mom really liked susanna They got home, and Luke was ice cold again. So I tried to, you know, confront him very gently. Um, I said, hey, you know, we had this wonderful trip with your parents, um, and I'm just wondering, like, you don't want to touch me right now, stuff like this. And then he did this thing, and he would do this. This was the most painful part of some of the abuse He would just go dead silent as I'm sitting there trying to have a calm dialogue and glare at me with these black eyes and just go nonverbal and just stare. And I would say, hey, you know, like, I I don't want to accuse you of cheating on me. And I know that we just spent this time with your parents, but you're not being physical. You're very hot and cold with me. Like, you know, if this is you know, just let me know what I can be doing better. And he would just shrug his shoulders and glare at me, just dead silent. And it would make me spiral. You know, I'm trying to have a dialogue and he's super silent with me and glaring at me with what looks like hate on his face. And my mind just starts spinning into what's happening, what's going on? How can I phrase my words differently? How can I bend over backwards to try and get him to see what I'm saying? You know, and 
I grew up with knowing a lot about psychology and, you know, self-regulation. So I told him, I said, you know, if you're shutting down because you're overwhelmed, you know, can you put your hand on your chest? Can you kind of identify where it's coming from? You know, I was so patient and so open-minded with him and tried everything. But what would end up happening is I just, by the end of this shutdown, just collapsed into a puddle of tears and said, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have reacted like this. And, you know, he reminded me, he said, you know, I want to keep doing this, but I hate that I have to keep complaining to my friends about how, uh, you know, your sensitivity. Um, and it was disorienting. Luke then invited Susanna to accompany him on another trip a family get-together for the 4th of July. Once again, they had a wonderful time. In September, Susanna had a week's vacation, and she decided to visit a friend who had just moved across the country. Luke said he wanted to go. They bought plane tickets and made bed and breakfast reservations. One night, shortly before the cross-country trip, Susanna was at her parents' house. They actually lived near Luke. He called her and said his depression was weird, so he was going to trim his beard, take a shower, and go to sleep. Susanna instinctively thought something was up. He never, at that point in the night, would just say goodnight. I would be usually the one that's like, okay, I'm going to sleep. And it was early for him, and he was shaving his beard, all of that, I now can look back and see that he was dropping these hints to torture me. Um, but um, so he said, okay, good night. And I said, can you send me a picture of your cat? And he goes, oh, he's out of the room. He was causing too much chaos. And I said, okay, good night. Susanna waited 20 minutes, then drove past Luke's house. His car was gone. And my heart just stopped. And I immediately, I call him. He didn't answer. I call again, again, again. He doesn't answer. Luke finally responded. Susanna asked where he was. He said he needed to walk, so he went to a park. This also struck Susanna as weird. She asked him to meet her in another park right away. He agreed. He pulls up, you know, his beard's trimmed. He had like a full outfit on. And he sat down on a bench with me. I said in this really calm voice, I looked him in the eyes and I said, you need to tell me what you were doing. He said, I promise you, I'm just, I'm walking around. It was just hard with the roommate there and stuff like that. I said, you told me that your cat was outside of the room and you couldn't take a picture. He said, okay, yes, that was a lie. I didn't want to worry you. I knew with your trust issues and stuff, I just didn't want to worry you, but I needed to do this. I said, and I was just looking him dead in the eyes and I said, hey, can I, I was like, I hate to do this. Will you show me your text messages? He said, okay, see the text messages, nothing's there. And I looked him in the eyes again. I said, listen, we just made plans to travel across 
the country together. I looked him dead in the eyes and I said, listen, I'm a big girl. We are about to reach the year point in the relationship, which is a while, but it's not that much. And I just was as calm as possible. I said, I want you to know I'm a big girl. I need you to tell me right now if you were cheating on me, if you were not too committed to this, I want you to let me know so that I can move on. I said, I will, I am in no danger of harming myself. I said, I, you know how I am in my recovery and my mental health. I can handle this. I've got my support. I said, if you let me know now, we can go our separate ways. We can perhaps be friends one day. And I said, um, because I do not want to live a lie. If you could give me just that respect. I think I even said something like, I, you know, I won't tell anyone. Just, just please tell me. And I said, look me in the eyes when you say this. He looked me dead in the eyes. He said, Susanna, no, I would not do that to you. That's what he said. But in the days leading up to their cross-country trip, he acted as if she didn't exist. He wouldn't touch her. And of course, it was all her fault. And so it's like I knew we had this trip planned. I knew our anniversary, our one-year anniversary was coming up, and I couldn't make sense of it. Um, and so I was texting. I have all these texts. I was texting friends and I was texting my therapist and I was telling them, I said, I am miserable. You know, by this point I had lost 15 pounds within a month. Um, I couldn't sleep at night because I was constantly terrified of him leaving his house again. I had to be hyper vigilant. I was monitoring his social media for any signs because I now know my head was trying to arrive onto one conclusion and I couldn't. So I was just trying to find all these answers and I was texting my friends leading up to the trip. And I was like, guys, like, I feel like for the first time in my life, I almost feel like I don't want to be alive. I feel awful. I said, you know, I am freaked out by the fact that this relationship is the focal point of my life. I have so many other things in my life. I'm depressed with how obsessed I am and increasingly how obsessed I get, um, turns him off even more. You know, it was just this whole dynamic of I'm just continuously turning him off because of how increasingly upset I'm getting. And um, so, yeah, he wouldn't touch me at all. One day he even told me, he said, the idea of having sex with you disgusts me. And I said, well, would you be willing to maybe just like kiss me or touch me. It doesn't need to be pressured. I was looking all these things up about how to talk to people, your partner about sex. Like I was looking all these things up and he would just say, I can't even do that. Um, and this is all prior to the trip. And so again, I was texting my friends were like, you know, I don't think you should go on this trip. And I would just tell them, I was like, well, I can't stop because he might turn the corner again. And, and, and also I'm the one causing all this stuff, it seems. So I just need to get a grip and it'll be okay. You know, I've invested so much into this and I've invested so much into the trip. Susanna was in turmoil. And one day when she went to lunch with her seriously ill father, it boiled to the surface. And I 
was increasingly, I was getting the silent treatment. My nervous system was all revved up. So I go to his social media and I see that he had recently, in the past few days, followed a bunch of local girls that had followed him and he was liking their photos. And it seemed so inconsequential, but I was there at one of the last lunches with my dad. And I just had to get up and I just exploded into tears in the bathroom, like inconsolable. Like I had never erupted like that. Like it was out of my body and I felt so hopeless and so trapped. Like I felt like I had crawled in myself to die at this point. And I come back outside and, you know, I had been so good at this point at being able to hide my emotions and stuff like that. And I just said, dad, what would it mean if a guy and I just I ruined our lunch I just had to tell him I said I'm so sorry can we get the check and go Susanna suspected that her boyfriend was cheating but she couldn't bring it up they weren't having sex again her friends kept telling her not to go on the trip but she was determined Um, So we go on the trip. We had a great time. He posts publicly about that. Um, Everything was good. And um, we get back from the trip. He withdraws again. Our anniversary rolls around the end of September. And, you know, in the meantime, I am dying. I have lost. I've got no energy. I'm not sleeping at night because I'm constantly afraid that he's leaving. Um, You know, I can't come to a conclusion um, I am increasingly feeling disgusting with my, disgusted with myself. I looked in the mirror during this time period and just started clawing at my face because I was trying to figure out what was so ugly about me. Um, I, by this point, I almost felt genderless, like he had reduced me. I wasn't a woman anymore. I was almost this infantilized kind of gross kid. And then. I kept thinking, I was like, you know, our, our one year anniversary is rolling around, but why I feel so awful. And I just kept telling people, I was like, maybe I'll just see what he does for the anniversary. And he got me a necklace, planned a day for us and invited me to the studio on his anniversary. When that girl Tori was there, he kissed me in front of her, gave me my necklace and we set off on our day. Luke's hot and cold behavior continued. Why did Susanna put up with it? Because when they were connected, it was wonderful. And when things were good, that was my absolute best friend. I mean, it can't be stressed enough that if he's Jekyll and Hyde, his hot side was, I mean, we were so connected. It was like we were almost siblings in a way, or like twins, you know, we finished each other's sentences. We had our own language. We had our own inside jokes. We could just look at each other. You know, um, I had noticed the things I didn't like about him. Like, I didn't think he was that smart. Well, he started using bigger vocabulary words that I would use. Um, you know, we almost, we had the same stances and expressions. We were like, buddies and we were like lovers at the same time. I mean, it was like, I felt so close to this person. One time he'd been cold for a couple of weeks and then they had a really good night. Susanna thought they turned a corner, but something still didn't feel right. 
So when Luke went into the shower, she checked his phone. She found a text to Tori. After Luke had promised that he wouldn't be alone with her, he asked Tori to go for pizza. And so we had just had this good night together, but I saw that I close out of the phone and he comes back into the room and I lied. I said, hey, I just got a really bad feeling. Did you hang out with that girl after the fact? He got furious, um, furious without even raising his voice. He said, God, he said, we can't just have one good night. You're, you're bringing this up. No, like what is with your trust issues? And, and by the end of the conversation, we both had to leave to work. I left apologizing and calling my mom and saying, oh my God, I freaked out. I had a bad reaction. And now what's crazy is I saw what I saw, right? but I almost couldn't even believe what I saw. So I kept on in the relationship and I was even after this fact questioning if I had ever even seen that, but it didn't make sense. Then there was another incident where Luke said he was going to bed early. Susanna drove by his house. She hated herself for doing it, but she felt compelled. Once again, his car was gone. And once again, Luke denied it. You know, all this stuff is happening. You know, by this point, I lost all this weight. I I was miserable. I was having suicidal ideations. Um, all my sparkle was gone. I was deflated. I lived and breathed to figure out what mood he was going to be in. It was like my entire life depended on it, and I couldn't figure out. And my head was getting increasingly foggy. Um, I've had ADHD my whole life, but not super bad. Um, but I was having these symptoms. I was misplacing things. Um, I had a lower threshold for stress. There would be, say, stressful instances in my life that I used to be able to handle, but I would just crumble. Um, and, you know, Luke had to come in, say if we'd be packing for a trip. My executive functioning was so bad at this point that he had to come over and he had to pack for me. I was losing my keys so much that he got a hook and he would carry his keys on his person and hold on to my stuff because uh, I was always having trouble finding it. Susanna and Luke spent Thanksgiving with her family, and then Luke invited her to see his parents at Christmas. Just like the last trip, Susanna's friends and therapist asked her if she really wanted to go. I'm like, I don't know. There were more things adding up. He was following a a porn account of a girl that he used to have sex with, but then he was also inviting me to his friend's wedding. I was meeting his childhood best friends. We were having great trips. I mean, it was insane. And then a couple days before we're set to fly to his parents for Christmas, he calls me and he goes, Oh my God, Susanna. He said, what if this is gone too far? What if I still want to date other people? This is such a big step to, go to Christmas with my family. And I almost felt like I had to defend the decision that I didn't even ask for. But the next morning, Luke was fine. He said he'd felt nervous, but was over it. About this time, Tori, the woman who shared Luke's studio, suffered a terrible accident and was hospitalized. Luke went to visit her. 
Given that Susanna had asked her boyfriend not to spend time alone with Tori, she felt that this was too intimate. Luke said that she was being unreasonable and she needed to trust him. So he goes to the hospital to see her and then he is due to come to my house right afterwards to help me pack because my mind was being lost at this point and I couldn't um, handle things like packing. And so he goes to the hospital. He knows that I'm nervous and upset about it. You know, I'm a little bit angry about it. I'm uncomfortable. And so he walks into my apartment and he keeps the sticker on his shirt that has her last name on it. And he's just smiling, all happy, gives me a big hug, kisses me. And I said, can you take that off the sticker? He said, okay. And um, he was so nice the rest of the evening. And up until this point, we hadn't really said, I love you yet. Um, I get a little nervous about that. And so later on in the night of him returning from the hospital with her, we're laying in my bed and he said, Susanna, I should have told you this a long time ago, but I love you. And I just, you know, prior up until this, you know, I've lost 15 pounds, all of this. And, you know, he had never said that to a girl. Um, and it was very sweet the way he said it. And my heart just kind of got really warm. And I said, you know, I, I love you too. Soon, they were leaving to visit Luke's parents for Christmas. While they waited for a friend who was taking them to the airport, Susanna and Luke watched a show on Netflix. It was about a guy who was suspicious that his girlfriend was cheating on him. And so after the episode, um, he looks me in the eyes. He's on the ground and he's holding my hands and he looked me in the eyes and he said, Susanna, he said, you know, this episode reminded me, he says, you know, relationships are built on trust. He said, we're about to take a big step in our relationship by going on this trip to my parents. He said, I feel like you don't trust me. If you don't trust me, then we don't have anything to build this relationship on. And he said, and if you don't trust me, you should pro we should probably call it quits and you should probably wait to get into a relationship with somebody until you can learn to trust. Like he was just so easy to let go of me like that. Like all the bonding before it didn't matter and nothing was of value. And I would essentially just beg him um, to stay and he would. Christmas with Luke's parents was wonderful. They returned, and soon it was New Year's Eve. We spent New Year's together, and, you know, he had just told me he loved me, but then he the thing started again where he just didn't want to be physical with me, where sometimes it just felt like we were friends, you know? And on New Year's, I got upset. I dressed up. I thought I looked really pretty, um, and he told me, he said, you know, yeah, I can't be intimate with you. Um, and I remember saying something like, well, you just told me you loved me. You know, I feel a little sad. Um, and so a lot of times when this stuff would happen is we'd go to bed and I would just stare at the wall and just cry and um, just muffle my tears. Um, because if he heard me crying, um, it would, you know, I already was losing my mind in this relationship and apparently me losing my mind was causing him to pull away so I couldn't show him at any point that I was upset at his actions. 
I'm Donna Anderson, and this is True Love Fraud Stories. Be sure to listen to the rest of Susanna's story. In part two, Luke shows his real self, and it's ugly. In part three, Susanna describes how she figured out the truth about her relationship and embarked on a journey of recovery. Then, another woman who was also targeted by Luke tells her story. I also invite you to listen to expert commentary related to this story. I interview Dr. Leanne Leadham, a psychiatrist and expert on psychopathy. We talk about how abuse, trauma, and betrayal affects the brain. To listen to this show ad-free, please subscribe to True Love Fraud Stories. As a subscriber, you'll be invited to Love Fraud Live, my informal support group. I do a short presentation about sociopaths and narcissists, and then answer your questions. Did you say that he had black eyes? His pupils were huge. And I would tell him, you know, I would, so my whole life, I've been very adept at reading faces. That's actually something my mom loves to talk about. Like almost this, you know, oh, I couldn't keep anything from Susanna. She reads faces so well. And sometimes she overreads them. And so I would tell him, I said, you know, it looks like you have contempt for me. It looks like you hate me right now. And he would just huff and puff shrug his shoulders and say, you were reading it wrong. You can't just assign meaning to my face. And yeah, but his eyes were black and they were glaring at me. And it was always times that I was trying to get an answer. It was always times that I was trying to address his behavior and it would always end up in me just in a puddle of tears and me apologizing. You know, one time he told me, he said, I can see how deflated you look and it just makes it worse for me. So, yeah, his eyes were black. True Love Fraud Stories is produced by lovefraud.com. For more information about this story, other great stories, or if you'd like to share your story, visit podcasts.lovefraud.com. Engineering is by Terry Kelly. To learn how to recognize and recover from everyday sociopaths, visit lovefraud.com. You'll find articles, books, and webinars. You can also book an appointment with me, Donna Anderson, for a personal consultation.